Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 124th episode of the Diverse Minds Podcast. And this month's theme is all about mind-body connection and how our physical health supports our mental health and how our mental health supports our physical health. So on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to have conversations about mental health at work, where physical health may be the key to open up the conversations about mental health. Now, I thought it'd be a really good place to start because many of us want to check in with colleagues and friends at work or even our managers and our managers' managers, but it can be a real challenge to know how to start the conversation about mental health and well-being. And I think you'll agree that it's much easier to talk about physical health if someone has a, an ailment or something that they don't feel is quite right, and it's more socially acceptable to talk about stress. And when I deliver training, what I find is that people really want to help, but they're terrified of saying the wrong thing or prying. And this acts as a barrier and stops someone from coming forward, much like it does similar themes with race equality and also asking about people's reasonable adjustments. Now, thinking about stress in general and where you might feel stress in your own body. Um, Stress is a very physical sensation. We have increase of hormones running through our body, particularly adrenaline and cortisol, that's likely to get us ready for the fight, flight or freeze response. And when you feel stress in your body, what does this tell you? How do you know when you're stressed or when the stress has gone too far, when potentially there's an activity or something you need to do that brings you the sensations of stress? And when it's over, those feelings normally subside. But when this feeling of stress goes on for a long time, this is actually quite dangerous. And unfortunately, stress is really seen as an integral part of day-to-day life. But the ongoing physical impacts are very significant indeed. And stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances. We know that stress is, of course, completely a normal physical response to events that make you feel threatened or upset or turn your balance on its head in some ways. We also know that in small doses, stress can be super helpful to enable us to perform or to meet deadlines and motivate us to do our best. And it can be a mixture, of course, of work, personal circumstances, commitments, the news, things that are going on that contribute to how well or stressed we feel. But as I said, if this stress or chronic stress, as it's known, goes on for a significant period of time, this can contribute significantly to physical problems such as heart disease, hypertension, high blood pressure, bone density issues, the way in which we connect and interact with people. It affects our concentration. It makes us less productive. It makes us not very nice to be around. It can make existing problems worse. And I often refer to it as the first rung on the ladder to creating or developing more long-term unhelpful mental ill health. Um, And it can also make someone um, sort of have an increased vulnerability to that as well. So it's interesting, in a Perkbox 2020 UK workplace stress survey... They found that uh, British adults in employment, a staggering 79% of them commonly experienced work-related stress, and this was 20% higher than 2018's findings, that long working hours is now the seventh most common cause of work-related stress compared to being first in 2018. 
And this highlights that many workplaces have become aware of the impact on workforces and the reduced problems. Monetary or financial stress is the second most common cause of stress. That was 60% according to this survey, with family stress coming third at 48%. And just 1% of the UK employed adults that responded to this survey felt that they never experienced workplace stress and 17% that they rarely experienced stress of this kind. So clearly there's a huge issue there. Now, we know from how we feel in ourselves, and you know, I talk about this a lot, how the body speaks the mind. So I asked you, you know, where do you feel stress in your body? And the way in which stress can manifest or express itself may be in mood issues, so anger, irritability, lack of energy, concentration, um, not being able to sleep very well, headaches, potentially panic attacks as well, increased blood pressure, which of course we may not know first of all. Uh, increased heart rate, but that goes on for a period of time, higher cholesterol, which again, we may not feel straight away, thus in creating an increased risk of a heart attack. Your immune response in your system is reduced. So coughs, colds, and stomach issues can be more prevalent. Stomach cramps, acid reflux and nausea. We can see a real loss of libido, and it's thought that in men, there can be lower sperm count and increased period pain for women, aches and pains in joints and muscles, particularly when there's ergonomic equipment and people have everything they need, and those aches and pains just don't go away, and lower bone density. So those are quite physical things, and people may mention some of that, like, oh, I've just been having these terrible headaches and these stomach cramps. Now, I'm guessing a lot of you listening to this show won't be medical practitioners or counsellors or psychologists, but that's okay because you don't need to be, and I'm not one either. But it's to say, oh, okay, so you've, let's talk about these stomach cramps, or oh, how long has it been going on for? And really how this can be a seed to opening up that conversation about how someone is feeling. And interestingly, there's more and more research that's been done on irritable bowel syndrome, things like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and how depression affects those conditions. So again, if you're interested, absolutely read up on that. I'm not saying if you're, if you're not from a medical profession or a researcher to jump in with that, but it is always helpful to be aware and to think, well, how can I have a conversation with someone and then be able to signpost them to some advice and support that we have in the workplace. Some other signs you might see, so emotional symptoms, low mood, someone may say, I just feel really overwhelmed. My checklist or my to-do list just doesn't go down. They may be socially withdrawn. This is difficult, of course, to know online, but there will be changes in behavior. They may be quieter than usual. There may be a sense of hopelessness and helplessness and that moodiness, anger and irritability I talked about. They could be experiencing an increase or loss of appetite. And it's really important we don't focus on the weight gain or loss and talk about that, but to say, how are you? How are things? Again, it's quite difficult to spot weight loss or weight gain on a video call. So we may not know uh, if someone's in the office, someone might say, I've just lost my appetite. And you could say, oh, okay. So has that been since Christmas or what's been happening or how long have you felt like this? And to just give someone that space to discuss. They may be sleeping too much or too little, and they might say, oh, I've really struggled to drag myself out of bed. Now, that's not necessarily unusual in January, where the sun's rising at quite a late hour in the UK, and we all just want to hibernate. They could look very exhausted, though, and weathered. So just to say, how are you? How have you been? What have you been doing since Christmas? How have you found getting back to work? So it's helpful small talk without putting someone under the spotlight. 
They may be procrastinating a lot. They may be using um, alcohol, cigarettes or drugs increasingly to relax. And again, especially if people are working from home, we may not know this at all. It's also difficult to spot things that we can spot face to face. So if people are substance misusing, you can often tell with the skin texture or the, the sort of pat, the shade of skin and the way the skin looks can look quite altered. This is quite tricky to spot online. Um, and this is not to judge anyone. It's not to say, oh, are you substance misusing? but they might say oh I just after at five o'clock I have to have a big glass of wine every single night in order to relax oh that's really interesting how long has that been happening for so you get the idea it's just to get them talking they may ignore health and safety potentially you have protocols in your workplace to uh, check around loan working and covid safe procedures they might be ignoring those they may always switch their camera off in a video call they may not want to speak on the phone either and that can be a really key sign um, maybe memory is impaired, as we talked about, if stress goes on for a long period of time, or if there's something else going on. Poor concentration, poor judgment. They may need to ask your opinion. They may want to check things over and over again. Um, their mind might be racing and the work erratic timekeeping and the work may not be completed on time. And the way in which they might be feeling, well, they might feel really worthless. They might feel helpless, hopeless. They, they want to suffer in silence. They don't feel they can tell anyone. Extreme guilt, shame and embarrassment. So these are some of the signs that tell us, well, what could we do to have this conversation? And a model you might like to think about and use is something, if you've done any training with me, um, and it's also used in mental health first aid and many other courses, is a stress bucket. That we all have a receptacle or capacity for stress. And if someone can withstand a lot of stress, their bucket may be quite big. And if someone can't withstand very much stress, their bucket may be quite small. But that's absolutely fine. And acknowledging that the way in which we handle stress isn't going to be identical for everyone else can also be super useful in the workplace. Maybe we are a kind of person who likes to take on lots of work and juggle things and we don't have negative things going on in our personal life. But a colleague or a manager might be totally different. They may have gone through trauma. They may be managing quite complex situations. So the thought of managing a huge workload is going to be really unappealing and their stress bucket may be smaller than yours. But our bucket also has a tap and it lets the stress out in two ways. It has helpful coping strategies and unhelpful coping strategies. Now, if we turn on this tap with helpful coping strategies, the stress pours out quite effectively. Maybe not everything because it's not a magic wand, but it relieves and alleviates some of that stress. And of course, that could be physical and mental and both. And we also have unhelpful coping strategies and our taps a bit naughty and it turns the other way and the stress drips out, but it gets recycled back into the bucket, adding to the stress load. So what are some examples and why am I telling you this? Well, this can be a really great way to frame a conversation. If you notice some of those key signs that I talked about and mentioned, you could say to someone, oh, how are you? How was your Christmas? How was your break? What's been going on for you? Oh, I've not been sleeping very well. Oh, okay. So how long has this been going on for? Well, actually all through Christmas because my family drive me up the wall and then I couldn't stop thinking about this project. Okay. So have you felt like this before? Yeah, yeah, I have actually. And then you could say, oh, when you feel like this, what helps you? So you're not talking about diagnosis. You're not saying, oh gosh, you need to rush over here and do that. But you're having a conversation that lets someone identify what's going on for them and what's been helpful. So they might say, oh yeah, well, you know, before Christmas, I was always able to get out for a walk at eight o'clock and go around my local park and 
you know, there'd be a dog I see and it was really great. And I'd, I'd pet this dog and then I'd cut, go home and I'd have a really lovely cup of tea and listen to the bird song or whatever it is that they're doing. It helps them put themselves in the driving seat and you're just there listening. You may like to, let's say you're in a one-to-one with someone and they're really struggling. You could actually draw out a bucket and get them to talk about what's happening. And then unhelpful coping strategies. They may say, but you know, now I have to have a cigarette after work and at least a glass and a half of wine, you know, really big ones. And you could say, oh yeah, okay. So how does that make you feel when you do that? And they'll tell you and they might say, oh, well, I feel great. But then the next day I don't feel so good. And it's not about saying, oh, stop drinking or I wouldn't do that if I were you, because that's really not helpful. And if you check out episode 97, active listening to support, I go into more details about active listening. But you can say something like, "Okay, so how do you feel the next day? Mm, And what would you like to do differently? Are there what are the other things that make you feel relaxed and wouldn't make you feel the way you've described when you have that glass of wine every night? Or no, I'm sitting in front of the TV till midnight. Oh, okay. well, what are you watching? How does that make you feel? And of course, it's a bit stilted me doing it with no one in front of me. But you get the gist. It's really about how to have this conversation, not solving everything, but giving someone the space to download. So I really hope you're enjoying this episode and the content and you want to keep up to date. If you are, then why not join my bi-monthly newsletter? When you join my mailing list, you'll receive a free copy of my ebook, The Mentally Healthy Leading Manager, which has written down some of the tips that I'm talking about in this episode. And the link is in the show notes. But just in case, the link is https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash mhlmebk21. Okay, so I'm now going to go on to give you a little bit more information about how you can start these conversations. And let's say you're waiting for an online meeting or something to start or potentially in an email. Happy 2022. You could say, what's going on for you at the moment? And someone can respond. You can ask someone, they could tell you what's going on. So going back to the stress bucket model, have you felt like this before? If you have, what's helped in the past? Oh, okay. So what, which ones of these could you use now of what you've just told me? You can also say, what else have you tried? And what have you tried that may not be so helpful to you? Okay. So what if you don't have a solid relationship with this person? You know them, you can see that something's not quite right, but you're not sure how to start the conversation. Well, you can ask someone, how are you? But we so often say this, how are you? I'm fine, I'm good. Oh yeah, really missing the break, had a lovely Christmas. Yeah, me too, move on. You could say, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. How are you? And that asking twice, which is something that the Time to Change campaign was really pushing and it's really powerful and taking that time to listen to the answer. You can ask things like, oh, how are you feeling in 2022? Or how have you been? So these are open questions to try and elicit really helpful responses or give someone that space to speak. And remember, do check out my episode 97 about listening, because it's all very well asking these questions. If we jump in with our own response, it's not going to be super helpful. But we are starting with how to start the conversations about mental health at work. Oh, what's been happening for you over the last week now that you're back at work? And someone might say, oh, you know, it's really, really difficult to get going. And you could say, well, what's changed to make you feel things are really difficult to get going? It might be that you're a manager and you want to either ask your whole team uh, something you do all the time or in a one to one. How would you describe your stress levels recently? 
have you found that your eating and sleeping habits have changed? So we're not picking up on the weight loss. We're not having a go at someone because they can't sleep. We'll just say, oh, have you noticed it? Could be in the context of the darkness, could be in the context of coming back from a break. At the end of a conversation, you could say, well, is there anything else you want to talk about? How are you? How are you? If someone has said, you know, I just don't feel great. I feel really not myself. I feel really out of control. You can say, well, what would help you feel more in control? And maybe they say, I just don't want to talk anymore. You could say, I totally understand. Would you be willing to talk to someone else? What information would be useful to you to know? Are you aware of all the things that are available? I'd really love to check in with you again. What's the best time to do this? And this, of course, will depend if you're the manager, a friend, a colleague, etc. And I think if someone does decide that they want to come and speak to you directly in a one-to-one capacity, it's really important that you acknowledge their feelings and thank that person for coming to speak to you, that you ensure your own and their personal safety and make sure you say to them that anything you say to me is confidential, except if there is risk to yourself, risk to others, fraud or criminal activity. And I've never had someone walk out and say, oh, well, I'm not going to speak to you then. And if someone, of course, discloses anything around suicide or feelings to say, thank you so much for telling me my role is to keep you safe. And in order to keep you safe, I need to do the following things. So you're not lying to them, but you're also keeping that duty and you cannot keep something like that um, confidential into yourself. But I do have some more information on that in talking about suicide in the workplace, if that's of interest to you. But provide a quiet or uninterrupted space if you're online for an informal initial discussion reassure them that it's completely fine to feel the way that they're feeling and it's not uncommon and we have a tendency as humans to assume and to fill in the gaps because we want to get to the solution but remember it is about asking those open questions for clarification and getting them to open up and talk to mind map and use the stress bucket model we've talked about to explore the issues that they're presenting with as a way to find options Reflect back verbatim what you hear to that person using their words. This can really give people light bulb moments. Explore their coping strategies with them. And if there's any information they want that you could help them with. Refer them to the support that you have and ensure that you just keep a note of it yourself in a confidential place and encourage them to seek support from your employee assistance program if you have one or use resources available to you in your workplace or have a look at hubforhope.co.uk, which when people type in their postcode will give a list of resources near them. So this is ongoing and there has to be a really big piece of work with equality in terms of all managers and people doing this. And I realize, again, we don't live in utopia and this doesn't happen overnight. But in order to start conversations about mental health, think about how physical health can give us clues about our own health and well-being. Don't ignore them. Just as those clues about physical health and stress can enable us to have a conversation with people in the workplace. It might be a good idea for you to think about your own stress bucket. What are the things going on for you right now? What are the stresses pouring into your bucket? And what are the helpful coping strategies that you use and the unhelpful coping strategies that you use, what you have control of and what you don't? So often if we do this exercise for ourselves, we can really use it to help others. There are lots of different ways to open up the conversation so you don't feel that you have to pry. And remember, it's not about making someone putting put their private information into the public domain, but giving them space to talk about what they want to so they can get the support they need or come up with their own solutions. And of course, the sooner we can do this, the less likely it is they're going to be in extreme crisis. Listening is key. Do check out episode 97. 
And it creates an open culture where people can talk about things and we feel less scared the more often we have these conversations. And remember, the two are not mutually exclusive. Physical and mental health are partners. And finally, consider how do you like people to approach you when you feel low and in need of support? And you might like to think about who do you go to when you feel low? Why do you go to that person? And what is it that you like about them in the way in which they support you? So get ready for supposed fictitious or real Blue Monday. But these are skills that you can use throughout the year. And I really hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please write me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can write reviews where you listen to your podcasts. And I'll see you in the next episode where I'll be talking to Karen Leibenguth about physical health and nature and well-being. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.